what we're told so often is that to build our business, we have to be good at sales. Okay, fair enough. We have to be good at marketing. Okay, fair enough. We have to have, you know, business structures and strategies and skills. Fair enough. And I'm I'm not suggesting those things aren't important enough, but I can promise you that none of those things are the driver of your behavior and subsequent results. The drivers are inside. They're not outside. I had to get my philosophy correct first. I had to ask myself, you know, first of all, I needed redemption and I knew I had to pay the price. We're all here to provide service at a high level. Service is the rent we pay for the privilege of life, period. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is such a great guest that he's a repeat guest. He's been on here before. He was one of the stars of the incredible movie, The Secret. He went through a time of trial and adversity, and he rose from that and transcended it and created a brilliant, brilliant story and life of redemption. I brought him back today because let's face it, folks, we're living in tough and trying times. And I thought, who better to help us understand and navigate through these times than the one, the only, the legendary James Arthur Ray. Welcome to the show, James. <laughs> you're you're too kind. It's, it's great to be here. Thanks, Nikki. Good to have you back, my friend. So listen, longtime listeners to the show will know who you are. Um, and, um, you know, I think it maybe be great for you to just give us a quick rundown on your history. And then let's just dive into today's topic, shall we? OK, um, I'll do my best to compress it. So so um, came through AT&T School of Business. I was in sales at AT&T. I was a national sales trainer. Went to AT&T School of Business, was a C-suite consultant there working with leaders on team performance, leadership skills, communication skills, all those types of things that, and culture change is, is a big part of what we still do, culture change initiatives. And left at and in 92 and started my own business and and was primarily doing business consulting for actually totally doing business consulting for the first several years and went through all the ups and downs of of entrepreneurship that that we all go through and lots lots of times on vision sandwiches and faith cookies i i'm i know you've been there you know <laughs> and and just just really tough times and then in 2006 so fast forward you know, after scraping for years, 2006, The Secret came out. I was invited. I was in a mastermind group and I was invited to to participate in that. And what a lot of people don't understand, Nikki, is that we got paid zero dollars 
for that. The thing ended up making, I don't know how many multiple millions, but but that was a labor of love for all of us who contributed. And I it skyrocketed my career in, in a huge way. As you know, I was on Oprah and Larry King and the Today Show nonstop and and doing really, really well at the top of my game and, and living a life that I I could more, not even imagine when I started. And, you know, went from from bootstrapping, never, never took loans or got investments, bootstrapping all the way through and built a $10 million business. We were inducted in the Inc. 500 in 2009. My team and I were and uh, my net worth was very healthy. It was north of, of 20 million and the business was making 10 million a year. And then we were in 2009 in a horrible accident we were conducting a workshop in Sedona, Arizona, a deep dive into the drivers of behavior. And, and this is really important for your listeners. You know, what we're told so often is that to build our business, we have to be good at sales. Okay, fair enough. We have to be good at marketing. Okay, fair enough. We have to have you know, business structures and strategies and skills. Fair enough. And I'm, I'm not suggesting those things aren't important enough, but I can promise you that none of those things are the driver of your behavior and subsequent results. The driver of your behavior and results are not outside of you. It's not about getting new marketing skills or new sales skills or new leadership skills. And I learned this all the way back at AT&T School of Business. I, I could give, give an individual the greatest sales skills in the world. And if their internal game, Nikki, wasn't, wasn't strong and empowered, if their self-image, their self-esteem, their self-confidence, their their belief in themselves wasn't empowered and strong, I'd give them these great skills and they would leave the room and do the same old thing they'd always done. They, they would change their behavior zero. And so what I started to learn very quickly was that the drivers are inside. They're not outside. I'm not suggesting that the outside things that we mentioned, sales, marketing, strategies, structures, all those things are not important. In fact, we have a proprietary model that we use individually when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one, um, interventions with clients and leaders, as well as when we go into a business to diagnose. And it's called the five dimensions of leadership and performance. We can talk about those if you'd like today. I'd like to um, very much. But here's the thing. You have to have all five. And strategies and structures and skills are only one dimension of the five. And, and so, and they're not the most important. Again, please, as a listener, understand, I'm not saying they're not important. They are. But anyway, I'm ahead of the game. So let me come back. We had this event in Sedona in 2009, this, this retreat, and something went horribly wrong. We had a, a sizzle event, if you will, and I'm not downplaying it, but it was one of those experiential learning events at the end of a five-day retreat where people were doing this deep dive into their interiors. 
their their beliefs, their values, their unresolved emotional issues. And we had a graduation exercise called a sweat lodge, which we had done for five years prior. And like any experiential exercise, it it normally was a big hit. You know, people didn't think they could do it. They came through it and they came out and they were stoked. And and so then as a facilitator, my job was to facilitate transference to say, hey, you know, this frightened you. This was difficult. How can you take that and apply that to going back into your business, into relationships, into your life? And so there is a transference potential there. And yet something went horribly wrong, Nikki, in 2009. And to this day, we don't know really what it was because the it, it turned into um an indictment eventually the state of arizona came after me uh three people lost their lives that day and it, and it broke my heart it literally broke my heart because i'd gotten to know them intimately just the nature of the program there's only 50 people there so it was small and intimate and they were talking about these childhood traumas and these unresolved issues and things that had happened to them. And I was doing my best to help them work through. And so I got to know them, frankly, maybe better than some of their, their nearest and dearest friends and loved ones, just because of the nature of the program. And so it broke my heart. If you've ever lost anyone that you love and care about, I'm sure you know how that feels. It, it felt horrible. And then on top of that though, um, the state of Arizona decided to charge me with manslaughter, which is intentional harm. And, you know, that to me to this day is ludicrous because there's not one business owner here today who he or she would intentionally harm his clients and think that they're going to succeed in their business. And, and so anyway, the media grabbed it and ran with it. And, and, you know, I guess I'm not doing a very good job of condensing here, but, but at the end of the day, uh, I was, I was indicted and I was prosecuted for manslaughter, intentional harm. And the jury said, no, there's no evidence of any of that. Uh, but what, there is evidence of his negligence. And, and I own that, Nikki. I mean, negligence basically says some things could have been done better. Some things were missed. Yes, I wish they hadn't have been. Some things were overlooked. God knows I'll carry it for the rest of my days. And I ended up, the the state wanted 30 years. I ended up getting two years. And I came out in 2013 and so in 2013, which was just about 10 years ago now, I was standing in the desert in Arizona. I was in horrible physical shape. I had periodontal disease. I'd lost 40 pounds. I didn't need to lose. I, I was alone. I was homeless. And I was $20 million in debt 10 years ago. So, you know, if we want to talk about tough times, 20 million, I, I don't care who you are, that, that'll rock your boat. 
And I had to get my head on and I had to to figure out exactly what I was going to do uh, to turn my life around. And I was deeply in need of redemption. You use that word. And I know you know that my latest book is called The Business of Redemption. It took me six years to write it. And it was very cathartic. Um, but I redemption, I'll just say this and then I'll stop. Properly defined redemption, which is used in a lot of re religious circles. I'm not using it that way here. Redemption, if you look at the definition, is to gain or regain something by paying the price. And unfortunately, Nikki, I, I find, and I'm not sure what you find or your listeners find, but I'm going to guess that many of us find there's a lot of people who want to gain or regain something, gain something they've never had, regain something that they once had and they've lost, but they're not willing to pay the price. They're, they're looking for someone else to do it for them. And there's always a price for the prize. And I can promise you the price is high. The bigger the prize you're going after, the bigger the price you must pay. And so I've paid a very heavy price. I really have. And, and it's something that I'll have to live with for the rest of my days to know that I lost three friends, uh, clients who became friends on my watch, attempting to, with the best intention to help them. Um, and I, there's hardly a day goes by. I don't, I don't, think about that and reflect on that. So um, here we are, you know, and yeah, it's tough times. It's definitely tough times. It's disruptive times in our world. And yet maybe just maybe, and this is going to sound a bit mystical or esoteric, but maybe just maybe um, in the grand scheme of things, it, it prepared me to help others and in a greater way that are dealing with some very, not identical maybe, but similar issues. And, th and that would be my greatest hope. That was awesome. That was a great monologue. I got to tell you, um, <laughs> Thank you, I took some very detailed notes. <clears throat> so, James, uh, the last two and three quarter years have been tough times for people. There's a lot of folks that were impacted by the lockdowns. The incidence of mental health issues for all sorts of people is through the roof. There's lots of kids. Alcohol, that, alcohol abuse, drug yeah. abuse as well. Yep, that too. There's lots of kids in, you know, in school who've been impacted by this BS and they're not learning the way they were before the pandemic, uh, the lockdown, I should say, not the pandemic. And there's folks at work who are doing something that's called quiet quitting. It used to be known as pre presenteeism, where they show up and they're not really doing the work. And there's folks who retired don't really in come place. Back. Yeah, it's hurting cats. Elon Musk just said uh, to the folks at Twitter, um, we, we're going to need to step up the intensity and whoever's up for it gets to stick around. If not, quit. And hundreds of Twitter employees quit. This is unprecedented in our history. And entrepreneurs in particular right now 
are trying to figure out how do I survive in these times, never mind thrive. Now, I know you and I believe that people can thrive in these times. What I was wondering, what's your take on the type of times we're living in right now and what it's going to take for people to be able to really transcend these times and thrive? Well, what's uh, uh, there's a there's two questions there at least, and let me let me address the first one. What's my take on the times we're living in? Um, they're they're almost biblical, you know, and I and, and I mean they just they really are. If if you and and I was raised, my father was a Protestant minister, and and I don't. I don't associate with any particular religious system. I I respect all of them. I've studied all of them, as well as business and psychology and philosophy, and and have attempted my best to 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 synthesize those and bring those together into my own life first and into the work that I do. And and so they they are almost they're like almost biblical if you if you look at what's going on in the world. And it, it's very frightening on one level. What they say in, in the mystery traditions is that you have to learn to see into things versus just look at them. Now, that's, that's pretty profound. And, and let me do my best to explain that and break that down. When you can, and, and let me use a simple example. And then we can apply it to the world at large. So, you know, why would someone believe that or, or, or do something horrific or hateful to another person? You know, you look if you look at the situation on the surface, then you go, man, they they may have a screw loose. That's really that's really just not even moral. If you see into it, then and really dig deep and say, why would someone do that? Fill in the blank of what that might be. Then you'll learn, and and I learned this in prison, Nikki. You know, when I first went into prison. I went in kind of arrogant, and arrogance and ignorance are close bedfellows. They really are. And I, I went in arrogant. I didn't think I was arrogant, but I was quite ignorant because I thought, first of all, I didn't belong there. And secondly, there was all of them, murderers and rapists and and thieves, and there was all of them, and then there was me. Well, I'll tell you a quick story, if if, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, and I write about this in The Business of Redemption, is that there was a guy, you know, there's lots of gangs in prison. And there was a guy who ran the yard named Justin, had, had a shaved head, and he had a big red swastika tattooed across his entire dome. He was part of the Aryan Brotherhood, not not very loving guys. Um, 
really the kind of guy that you just don't want to mess with. There was a darkness about him. I saw him. He probably weighed 180 pounds, not that big, and walked with that gangster slump. I'm sure you've seen it, you know, that just kind of said, don't mess with me. I saw him take a a 265-pound man named named Skull Crusher, nickname, (laughs) to the ground. In in under 10 minutes, take him down. He was a grappler. And so Justin had this air about him, just don't mess with him. And so I didn't, you know, I kept my head low because when I went into prison, I didn't know if I was going to be raped or stabbed or killed. I didn't know if I'd make it out alive. The only thing I knew about prison was what I'd seen on HBO, and that wasn't very pretty. And and there's no prep work for that. You you just kind of get OJT on the job training. And so I just I kept my head low. I had a guard tell me early on, hey, just do your time, keep to yourself and get home to your family. And that's what I was looking for. So when I would pass Justin on the yard, I would swing wide. I really I would I would walk off the sidewalk and and. You know, if we're coming down an aisle, uh, an aisleway together between the bunk beds, I would move to the side, and and I was just incredibly uh, passive and docile in this environment because, you know, at any moment these guys could lose it, and it was it was not pretty, and so I was just being smart, you know, I I was just being intelligent, and and so. Anyway, I look up one day, I'm laying in my my bunk, and I finally got to minimum security, uh, protective custody, actually. When I first went in, I was in I was in the hole, I was in lockdown, maximum security, and because they were afraid some something was gonna happen to me. And I was kind of a celebrity. The media had run my face and my name all over, and everyone there knew who I was. And they were afraid something was going to happen to me, and that would not look good on them. So they put me in maximum security in the hole right next to death row. And I was happy because I felt safe, you know, behind these iron doors. And yet then eventually I went to protective custody where I had to interact with the inmates. And these were all gang members who had who had turned on their gang or ratted out someone and and they had to go into PC so that they wouldn't get killed. And so when I was in protective custody, I was laying in my cell and the doors were open in protective custody for most of the day. I look up and lo and behold, they're standing in my in my cell door is Justin. Now, there's a real culture in prison. It's not very moral, um, but there's an ethics, big difference. There's an ethics and a culture, and one of, and they all abide by it, even, even the tough guys, even the leaders. And so um, he's standing in my door, and he said, and, and one of the rules is you never cross, and I'll just quote, you never cross another man, the threshold in another man's house. That's what they called yourself. Uh, without permission. And he even abided by this. So he's standing in the doorway and I look up from my book and I'm like, holy crap, you know, what'd I do? 
what's going on. This is not a guy you want to see standing in your doorway. And he said, I said, hey, Justin, what, what's going on? And he said, can I come in? Well, everything inside me screams no. You know, and yet you don't say no. How do you say no? I said, sure, come on in. So he comes in and he sits down right next to my bunk on this concrete stool. It's, there's a desk that's concreted into the wall. And he sits down on the stool and I'm on the bottom bunk and I sit up and swing my legs around. And so now I'm sitting literally face to face with a killer. I mean, there's all kinds of stories. He's legendary of how he's he stabbed guards and all these kinds of things. And I'm sitting face to face with a killer. And I said, what's going on? And man, my heart's beating like a drum because I feel like I've probably committed some infraction and you never know until you've after, after you've done it because it's not written anywhere. And, and he goes, Oh, I don't know. You know, he starts stammering and he's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I'm here. He, he said, you know, I'm getting out soon. Well, I'd heard this. And I said, yeah, I heard that. And he said, I'm not sleeping very well. He said, I, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm just not sleeping very well. It must be my celly. You know, my celly is kind of weird. You know how he is. And maybe it's his energy. I'm not sleeping very well. And it clicked for me, Nikki. I was like, he's afraid. Now, this is a guy who's not afraid of anything. So, so to, I mean, quote, end quote. And so I looked him right in the eye for the first time. And I said, you know what? Justin, I said, let me ask you a question. How am I doing in here? And he said, well, I think you're learning pretty quick. You're doing pretty well. And I said, that's great. I said, because you know what? I was scared to death when I came in here. I said, you know what I was scared of? He said, what? And I said, you. And he kind of took pride in that, right? And I said, not literally you, but what you represent, because it's so foreign to me. I said, what do you think the odds are of you and me sitting here face to face, having this conversation, given where you grew up and how you grew up and where I grew up and how I grew up? What do you think the odds are that we'd be sitting here face to face? He said, slim to none. He was a pretty sharp guy. He said, slim to none. I said, exactly. And yet here we are. I said, I came into your world, Nikki. Nikki, sorry, Justin. <laughs> I came into your world. I just glanced at your name on the screen. I came into your world, and I was scared. I said, but now you tell me I'm doing pretty good. I'm learning the ropes. I said, I'm starting to adapt. Keyword, I'm starting to adapt. We can come back to that. And he goes, yeah, you are. And I said, you know what's going on with you, Justin? And and again, my heart's still pounding a little bit. It's starting to calm down a little bit because we're having a conversation. I said, you're scared. And he, he kind of prickled because this is a guy who's not scared of anything. He would tell you. I said, you're scared. And I said, you know what you're scared of? He said, what? And I said, me. And I said, now, 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 not, not literally me. I said, but you're afraid of what I represent. 
I said, because in a short time, you're going into my world. I said, now in here, you're a big deal and you get everything you want and you've got people, you snap your fingers and they jump. And now you're going into a whole new world. And I hope your listeners are following because this is applicable. You're going into a whole new world and you're going to have to adapt. I said, I know that you could just crush me physically in a nanosecond. I said, I know that. I said, and so could a gorilla. And I said, and I paused and he's thinking, his head's down, he's kind of thinking. And I said, a gorilla could do that, Justin. I said, you're not, you're more than a gorilla. You're more than that. I said, but unless and until you start to move away from that behavior and adapt and, and develop and learn new things, you're going to be one of those statistics that's right back in here in three months or less. And he, he sat there for a moment and I said, Justin, you're smart. I can tell you're, you're a smart guy. I said, I, I believe in you. I think you got this. And then he kind of cleared his throat and he goes, well, I got to go to lunch. And he got up and just walked out of the cell. Here's one of the multiple points of that story. I learned in that moment, Nikki, mm -hmm. that it wasn't me and them. We're both the same guy. You know, we're both swimming in the same soup. I realized that I was on the on the the ship of humanity. And right now I'm in the boiler room on the ship of humanity. And in the boiler room, you know, you throw coal and you sweat and you tattoo yourself with all your gang insignia and you curse and and you you try to prove your importance and how how powerful you are. But all the way up in the penthouse of the very same ship, what do we do? We tattoo ourselves with fancy jewelry. You know, we drink, we we cheat with our best friend's wife, we we have conniving strategies in business, we cut corners. It's the same behavior. It's just manifested in a different way. And so all that to say, and maybe maybe long to get to the point of that's what's going on in the world right now. And when you can see into, because from that moment on, you know, whatever help I may have given Justin, he helped me just as much. He, he taught me just as much. I realize all of us are doing our best to escape pain. And some strategies are better than others. And if we had more resources and more abilities, we might not choose dysfunctional strategies but some of us just don't. And so we do the very best we can with what we have at the moment. I truly believe that everyone there, there's, there's some horrendous things going on in the world right now, Nikki. And I, and I don't want to wax political, you know, because we have a whole wide variety of people probably with a wide variety of, of beliefs. And I, I mean, I, I, was doing an interview yesterday and the person's belief system was so 
opposed to mine. And I just didn't say anything. I just do my best to try to see into versus looking at the surface. Uh, they say in the Toltec tradition, the warrior never judges things at surface value. And, and I love that. If you can see into it and ask yourself, why would someone think that way? Why would someone do those things? Why are the things happening in our world that are happening in our world? It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. But you can see clearly and you can understand them. And when you understand them, then maybe you settle down and you start to work work with that versus against it, if that makes sense. As an entrepreneur, you're looking down the current milieu of our world. You see inflation. You see people uh, stressed out and anxious, you know, because of the current state of the world. And you're looking to yourself and going, how do I win today? How do I thrive today? What's your answer to that? Well, it's not easy. Um, and what the research proves, you know, we we live in a world and we have a school system that has fail, failed us tremendously. Um, focused entirely on IQ, you know, intellect quotient. And yet mounds of research prove that EQ, emotional intelligence, and AQ, adaptability intelligence, and now SQ, spiritual intelligence, is, is now being talked about, is, is far and away more predictive of life, relationship, and business success than any IQ ever has been or ever will be. I mean, I'm sure, Nikki, you, like me, know someone who is an intellectual giant and they're an emotional child. Oh, so and, many people, it's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's it's quite sad. And those emotional children are the one that you were referencing, and they might be in their 60s. It doesn't, you know, chronology has nothing to do with it. Um, and this, this is key for the entrepreneur, because I submit that the greatest thing that we must do is to not learn marketing and sales and strategies and structures and systems. I'm not saying those aren't important. We've already talked about that. They are. They're one-fifth of the equation. But what we need to do is, is work on our psychology. And, and if I may, real quickly, let me just give you my proprietary model on leadership and performance, the five dimensions. Philosophy is a foundation, psychology, physiology, fancy word for your body, yeah. community, the people you surround yourself with, and then strategy. So those are the five dimensions that all have to be looked upon. And here's, here's the thing. Your philosophy is the foundation of, of your psychology. That's the first understanding. 
your psychology always drives your strategy. Now, we could say it in a simpler way. The way you think and feel is always going to determine how you act. And so if I have a low EQ, emotional intelligence, a low AQ, adaptability intelligence, then I'm really frightened and uncertain, and I'm in a world of hurt right now because because we have to. We have to be able to strengthen our emotional quotient, EQ, just to deal with what's going on in our lives and our businesses and our families. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a really simple example. Thanksgiving's next week, as we know, not for you guys in Canada, I guess, <laughs> but 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 for here, uh, it's next Thursday. And, and thank God my wife, Bersaba, and I are not big turkey fans because she was looking online at turkeys at Whole Foods yesterday, $180 for a turkey. Whoa! $180! <laughs> I mean, w- whoa! I mean, I, I can't even fathom, you know? Um, and so, so we have to learn Let's to adapt. raise us some turkeys, and- James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, thank God we don't we don't eat turkey. We don't like turkey. She was just checking it out me, because me she was either, looking but smart. Damn. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's like golden turkeys or something. But but nonetheless, that's what we're confronted with. You know, six dollars a gallon gas and 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 all those kinds of things. That that let's. Let's let's not try to sugarcoat it. It's tough. It's tough. And so so we have to adapt. And how do we adapt? Well, you know, we we look at necessities versus non-necessities. We 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 look at all of those kinds of things. I mean, uh, as you probably are aware, Meta is laying off 11,000 people. And Amazon's laying off 10,000 people. I mean, that's that's a lot. And yeah. if Amazon's doing it, what's that mean to guys like you and me who have a small business? And so that's the reality. Now we can dwell on that and we can we can grumble about that and we can get emotionally distraught about that, which doesn't serve us at all. Or we can say, how can I use this? And 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 I think 2020 was a great example. You know, in 2020, Bersaba and I pivoted very quickly. We pivoted our business. We were doing live events and, and one-on-one coaching and intensives, which we're still doing. But we very quickly pivoted to doing them on Zoom. And because obviously during lockdown, we're not doing live events. What we also did is we cut way back on our television watching. And that seems like a simple thing, but let me tell you something. There's a lot of research and a lot of proof that the things you watch and the things you allow into your mind are going to determine how you how you think and feel. And we've got enough going on. I mean, you, you, spend, you spend half an hour on social media not all platforms, but but some in particular, and you'll you'll be sliding down the drain 
just reading all the things that, that are being posted. So maybe it's better not to do that. Maybe it's better to, to be informed and not be inundated. Maybe it's better to adapt our behavior and, and instead of watching television and saying, oh, my God, my business is so slow, saying, oh, my God, my business is slow, let me invest in myself and work on my emotional intelligence and my adaptability because here's here's the bottom line, Nikki. Your results are a reflection of you. And if you want your results to grow, you have to grow. And again, long answer to your question, which it seems like I'm giving a lot of long answers today, but the answers aren't simple. They're not simple. Um, when you look at the five dimensions, then what we're talking about right now is is the psychological dimension, because your psychology always drives your strategy. And until you get the psychology right, it's kind of going back to what I said about doing sales training at AT&T. Until they got their interior game correct, their psychology right, you can get the best skills in the world and you're not going to apply them because you're going to self-doubt. You're going to say, well, it's easy for Nikki, but I'm not Nikki. You know, I can't do that. You know, that's not going to work for me, so on and so on. Your answers are long, but they're very perceptive and they're worth listening to. So I really appreciate that you're taking the time to go into this much detail. So, Thank you. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to delve into these five dimensions uh, in a, a deeper way. So when you say philosophy, how do you define philosophy? Yeah, it's a good question. Very simply, uh, three categories, your, your purpose, your vision, and your values is is your fundamental philosophy and your philosophy is going to be the foundation of everything your life philosophy and that's when i go back to standing in the desert 20 million dollars in debt 54 years of age and homeless man that's that's a hard pill to swallow yeah you know um i had to get my philosophy correct first i had to ask myself you know, first of all, I needed redemption and I knew I had to pay the price and I had to ask myself, OK, what am I going to do with James Arthur Ray 3.0? You know, because because I've I believed I had a, a two, a 1.0 and a 2.0. And what am I going to do for, with, with the rest of my days? And and that's my purpose. Now, I had gone as I told you, north of $20 million net worth the first go round. And I'll tell you straight up, I'm not even close to that on paper, not even close to that on paper now. Now, does that mean I'm not worth that? No, because worth is internal. It's not external. It's not measured by what's in the bank. It's by what's in inside and what we're made of and capable of. And and I had to figure out what my purpose was. And, and this is true in a business as well as an individual. I had to get really clear on why I was going to continue. Because it was really inviting at some level after I'd been hammered so hard 
in the media and called all kinds of names and trolled and, and man, I, I've, I've taken it, you know, and, and it would be, it was, there was a whole lot of seduction to say, I'm just going to go off and fade off into oblivion and get a, get a job somewhere and fly under the radar and, and just go home at night and sleep in my own bed. Um, of course I didn't have a bed at the time, but nonetheless, um, is that why I'm here? And the answer was no. And I'll tell you, I had a, a an agent for years prior to who was doing his best to get me TV shows and appearances and all this. And I said to him, when I got back from prison, I said, I don't want anything to do with leadership or personal performance anymore. I, and one of his clients was the guy who hosted Dancing with the Stars. I don't know his name, but I said, you know, that guy on Dancing with the Stars, he goes, yeah. And I said, I want to do that. And he goes, well, you could do that. And I said, I know, just give me a job like that. I just want to go do something mundane, you know, host, host a show, go home at night and not have any other responsibility. Well, I didn't really want to do that. I mean, because, you know, I, that, that sounded like something in the moment, but that's not my purpose. And so purpose tells you why you're here and it tells a business why they're in business. And let me just say simply, we're all here to provide service at a high level. Service is the rent we pay for the privilege of life, period. You know, God doesn't owe you anything. Your parents don't owe you anything. Um, the government doesn't owe you anything. We owe God, in my opinion, for the privilege of life, because life is a privilege. Even when it's hard, um, it's still a privilege. It can be a heck of a ride, and, and it's still a privilege. And so service is the rent we pay for the privilege. And and that's a purpose has to be focused on contribution and give back. That's why we're here. You know, you do a podcast not to monetize it. You may want to monetize it somehow, some way. And, and that's, that's cool to at some point get sponsorship. That's great. Um, and ultimately you do your podcast because you want to provide value to your viewers and, and you want to contribute and we all are hardwired to do that vision. So purpose tells us why we do what we do individually, as well as a business. Vision is what we're going to accomplish. It's much more specific. Purpose is more spiritual, if you will, more, more ethereal. And vision gets much more specific. And a vision is not a goal. We can talk about goals. You hear a lot about goals, but, but a vision and goal are different, very different. A vision is a, is higher level than a goal. Goals are incremental steps of measurement in the accomplishment of your vision. And that everything I'm talking about, these five dimensions apply individually as well as to an entrepreneurial business, any business, even a, a you know, we worked, we worked with an $80 million business recently on a consulting basis. It, it doesn't matter. 
the principles are cross-contextual. And so vision tells us what, what we're going to accomplish in the world to fulfill our purpose. So the purpose tells us why, vision tells us what, and then finally we have values and values are the behavior. You make every, every decision, every moment of every day based on your values. And so, you know, you don't go to the grocery store and buy groceries because you value going to the grocery store. You go to the grocery store and buy groceries because you value eating and you value, you value life and you value sustenance. Uh, we make every decision from the most complex to the most mundane based upon our values. And if you can get your mind around that, Nikki, as a business or as an individual or as a relationship, Bishop and I do work in relationships as well, as you know, yeah. and it's, it's the same principles are the same, you know, what do we value? Now here's, here's the hard medicine. I was just talking, you know, we have a course called uh, the way of the warrior, um, it's the Toltec teachings and it's 14 weeks long. And, and we, we meet every Tuesday night and I was just talking this week with the group. And I said, show of hands, how many of you were Bearspoon and I are going to give you a car for Christmas. Everyone laughs. And, and I said, you know, we're going to gift you a car and you have two choices. And I'll just ask you, Nikki, this will be fun. Uh, put you on the spot. So yeah. I'm either, Bearsman and I are going to give you a, a car for Christmas. We'll ship it up to Canada. No worry. It's on us. And and if you believe me, then I've got some swampland I want to sell you too. But nonetheless, um, you got two choices, Nikki. It's either a 750 BMW or a Bentley. Which one do you want? Bentley. Everyone says Bentley. Why do you want the Bentley? Let me tell you something that you may be hearing for the first time. They're the exact same car. You didn't know that, did you? BMW owns Bentley. They're the exact same chassis, the exact same engine for the most part, the exact same car. And there's a little difference in accoutrements if you've ever been in a Bentley, which I have. I mean, but a 750 is a pretty nice car. But 99.9% of the people will raise their hand and go, I want the Bentley. Why is it you value a Bentley higher, a higher degree than you value a BMW 750? It's not your values. It's social conditioning. Yep. Does that make sense to you? Totally. And, and so here's the hard medicine for all of your viewers. When you really dig into it, most of us have never in our life thought for ourselves. Mm. We are the byproduct of other people's habitual way of thinking. Society at large, your parents, your grandparents, your friends, your family, the media, you know, the list is endless, has conditioned us that certain things are more valuable and other things are less valuable. And we've just bought in. We bought in. And we've never really thought for ourselves. And and most people get a little prickly when I, when I, you know, sometimes people come to me and they want to tell me what they want and I'm doing coaching with them. And I, and I say, okay, well, who are you? Well, 
they can't answer because they don't ever think that way. How can you tell me what you want in your life, your business, your relationship, if you don't know who you are? You can't. You can't really because everything you're going to iterate is something that's been conditioned into. It's not yours. It's been handed to you. And so, you know, there's all this talk about, you mentioned Elon Musk. I I, I have a lot of respect for the guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's taking over Twitter and he's getting all kinds of grief. And, you know, kudos to Musk. He's losing millions of dollars because of something he believes in. And I, I just, I think he's a great example, you know, to humanity. And because that's purpose, that's purpose. You know, he tweeted today, my, my wife, Beersheba read it to me, Nikki. He said, you want to know how to make a small fortune? I saw that on <laughs> social media. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Start off with a large, large fortune. fortune. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty witty. He um, but, but, I don't even know why I brought him up now. I lost my train of thought because I'm I'm talking about, you know, but the point is, is that most of us never think for ourselves. We, we are conditioned by socialized mind and unless and until we know who we are, we can't really know what we want. And so that's all part of philosophy and it's, it's complex, but that's, that's the work that we do in helping to clarify that. And let me tell you something, Nikki, um, I'm not making a fraction of the money I used to make. I'm way happier. I'm way happier than I ever was. Um, and, and you know, what I like, what I like to make be happy and make that, that amount of money again. Sure. You know, and if it's, if it's right, I will. But if it's not, I know what my purpose is. I know what my vision is. I know what my values are. And that's my foundation. And when I get up every day and I'm living those, then the world can go through this big tsunami. And I can, I can to some degree or to a great degree, be at peace inside. And, and I know... We're gonna run out of time, and I and I'm I don't know I, I'm I'm you got you're asking me questions I'm on a roll today, well because we haven't I, talked uh, about if you don't have to leave we can keep talking a little bit past the hour if you do have to leave then okay no problem um, yeah so that's philosophy and, I, and you ask about all five so I don't yeah, know where yeah you we're gonna to get into that in a minute but I just want to address what you just said look for whatever it's worth. Um, it's my belief that um, who you are today is more valuable in the marketplace than who you were back in the day. And um, it's also my belief uh, that if you make a decision to um, have the purpose and the money, because I'm, I'm kind of clear just from the many interactions you and I have had that right now, your decision and your focus is on the purpose and not on the money. But if you made a decision to say, okay, I'm going to include the money. I'm giving you 18 to 24 months before you're back where you were. And then some for whatever it's worth, but that has got to be something that James A. Ray has got to go within and say, Hmm, 
yeah, I want this. <laughs> well, you know, you're you know right. what? It, it, I think you're you're. It, I think you're a man right now who's very focused on making sure that you live on purpose. And I think you've accomplished that for whatever it's worth. But, you know, I, I'm not you, I'm me, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good at seeing into people just as you are. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And and you say for what it's worth, it's worth a lot. And, and you're right on, you're spot on because the next, the next, um, the next block on the model of the five is, is psychology. My wife is an incredible intuitive and, and she does intuitive integration work and, and healing. And this is a gift literally that she has. And, and when I, when I want to work on my psychology, she's my go-to there. There's, there's nobody that is as good and certainly not better than her in my opinion. And I've been around, a lot. And I'm really good at those things. So, so. You're James um, Ray, brother. You're the shit diggity. Well, He's my French. <laughs> but, but thank, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And it means a lot to me for what it's worth. It means a lot to me and you're spot on. And here's my point is that just last week, maybe week prior, um, I had a limiting belief that I needed to deal with. And this is a psychological piece. And it came to my awareness that I had this belief that because I tended to be a little hard and a little harsh and, and you know, not a compa- as compassionate and kind of a person in back in the day that, and this was all unconscious, Nikki, is that if I made all that money again, I would get swept up into it again and I would lose my heart. Mm. And that's just not true. No. And so <laughs> it's, it's not. not, it's really not. And I know that now. And and so what you're saying, I really resonate with it and I appreciate it because um, I know who I am now and that's not going to change when I'm when I make a lot of money again. It's it's just not. Um, and and so, yeah, I nothing happens by accident. And and so for you to say that here today means a lot to me because I just went through a two hour process with my wife of processing this whole issue around. Yeah, I'm going to be kind of a jerk if I make money again. And my intention has always been good. But man, I look back at who I was and I I kind of thought I had arrived, you know, and I was not very compassionate. And and when you say that I can help people more now, I I remember, and I'll tell you again another quick story if I may. Um sure. someone so stood far, up we're going to have a Joe Rogan type audience. show today, brother. It's going to be in the multiple hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, in 2008, the economy really Eight. took yeah. a hard left. Yeah. And real estate. And, and I was still on the top of the game. I mean, I, I was doing live events and there was never less than 500 people in the room and sometimes up to, to 2000 people. And, and every once in a while I let people get up on microphone and they would ask questions. Well, some, I remember this lady stood up on mic in 2008 and she said, James, 
they're foreclosing on my home. What do I do? What do I do? You know, and I, on the top of the mountain at the time, you know, worth 20 plus million with good intention, I came back and I said, look, the bank doesn't want your home. I said, they've got too many homes already. What they want is a commitment and a plan. I said, so you get totally committed and you come up with a plan and you call them and you and you convince them you're committed and you give them your plan and they'll work with you. I believe that. And she's like, okay. And she sits down and maybe feels a little inspired and motivated. Well, fast forward to 2010, my home in Beverly Hills. Um, <laughs> Bank of America, I couldn't pay the mortgage. After, after everything went south, everything started falling apart. I had seven foreclosures and which told you I had a lot of real estate and, and my home in Beverly Hills, I really wanted to hang on to it because it was my dream home. And I, when I, when I built it out, I intended to never leave. You know, I had a full fledged movie theater and the works. I mean, I'd come home from the road and I'd be, I'd have everything I needed right there. And so I was doing my best to hang on to it. Well, Bank of America was putting the thumb screws on me and I called them up committed and with a plan. Well, that was at the same time that Obama gave all the money to the banks. But unfortunately, he, he didn't give them any parameters as to how they had to use money. Interesting conversation we could have there, but we won't. Oh, yeah. And sure. and so the banks had all this this had all this money from taxpayer dollars. And I called them up with a commitment and a plan, and they told me to pound sand. They could care less about my commitment and my plan. They didn't need to care, you know, because they had all this bailout money and they're going to take my house. And so what? It was a $5 million home. So what? They could only sell it for $2 million. They didn't care. And and they really were, were just rude and cocky about it, quite frankly. And these are the same, this is the same bank who was literally shining my shoes when I got the mortgage, you know. Mm-hmm. They, oh man, they loved me so much. Well, I reflected back on my conversation with that woman in the audience and it broke my heart because here's what I realized, Nikki. Your arm is not long enough to help someone in the valley when you're on the top of the mountain. Mm. You know, when I was on top of the mountain, I'd be like, hey, come on up here. The air is pure. The view is pristine. It's gorgeous. Come on up. And people down in the valley going, I can't, James. You know, they're foreclosing and and this is going on and that's going on. I've lost my job. Oh, yes, you can. Come on. Come on. You can do it. Just climb. I really believe that, Nikki. And now I know you can your arms not long enough to help people from the top of the mountain who are in the valley you got to get down there with them and just pure physics nikki you can you can lift so much more from underneath if you follow the metaphor when you get under someone with them hand in hand side by side you can boost them much more than you can pull up from from above them. You got gravity working against you when you're trying to pull them up. And so 
I had this, to sum this up, I had this unconscious fear that I was going to go back to this arrogance and ignorance if I made a whole lot of money again. I wasn't even aware of it. But man, it was driving behavior. And and that that's happening for all of us. You know, the greatest opportunity that you have as an entrepreneur, as a viewer today, that you have as a husband or a wife today, that you have as a human being is to make the unconscious conscious. Because when you make the unconscious conscious, psychology tells us 95% of what we do every single day is driven unconsciously. 95%. So we we live in a 5% existence. Yeah. And we think we're driving the bus. We're not driving the bus. When you make the unconscious conscious, like I did with my wife two weeks ago, now, now it's up in the open and you learn how to heal it, to integrate it and set yourself free. And, and that doesn't sound like a typical entrepreneurial skill, but I promise you it is. And more importantly, it's a, it's a, it's a human skill that's going to give us more adaptability and more emotional intelligence and all the things that we need to to sail through this tsunami that we're in the midst of and that that's what's worked for me let's talk physiology yeah <laughs> how much time you got because physiology um you know, there's a whole field of study, Nikki, and and you've got a background in physiology. I know um, you. I believe you were a trainer for a while, right? I was. I, yeah, Robin was a client of mine back in the day. Yeah, I knew that. All right, he, he told me that. And and so um, physiology, it cannot be underestimated. You know what's really not understood and known by many is I, I've been really blessed to study the mysteries. And to be exposed to to uh, mystery teachings of hermetics and alchemy and all those types of things, and I'm sharing those here today under the guise of Western conversation, you know, so that they're a little more palatable. But what a lot of people don't understand in hermetic sciences is is that these mystery teachings are very focused on diet and exercise and and I mean, it just goes on and on there. I've become a fan. I say a fan. I'm fond of this guy, Doc Amon on Instagram. And I, I'm not a consumer of social media, but this guy, Doc Amon is a psychologist and he's also um, a, a neurophysicist, I believe. And he talks a lot about the brain and physiology is part of the brain, obviously, and he talks a lot about how diet affects our brain. You know, marijuana, if I may, this is going to be a little a little unsettling for some people. And I don't have a dog in the fight, you know, but marijuana was made legal, I believe, for the same reason that that liquor stores were left open as a essential business during lockdown. If if the powers that be can keep us stupefied, then we're a lot more amenable to just kind of follow along. That's right. And, and, and I, you know, both, isn't it, isn't it interesting? 
in, in California, and now now I'm starting to jump over the line a little bit. But in California, during during the lockdown, they had electrical fires in California, and they turned off the electricity in many areas and shut down homes because the wires were over the marijuana fields and they didn't want to burn up the marijuana fields. Okay. So wait a minute, air conditioner or pot, you know, which is most important lights or pot. And, and so here's the thing about marijuana. It's been legalized. Is it, is it legal in Canada? It is. Yeah. It's been legalized. And I believe there's a reason for that. And we, and we don't need to go into that, but I, I personally believe, and I could be wrong, and if a viewer disagrees, then I respect that too. But the fact is, if you look at Doc Amon's work, marijuana and alcohol both shut down and atrophy the executive center of the brain, yep. which is not good, <laughs> you know? Um, it gives They give us a false dopamine spike, and when we have this false dopamine spike, then we feel we feel euphoric and we feel good for a minute, but then we crash. And then we need to have it again. And after a while, we get diminishing returns because, you know, I talked to a lady recently and she said, you know, my friend and I were out. We did, we'd had some drinks, but we hadn't had that much. We'd had, we only had six martinis. I'm like, six martinis? Holy crap. If I had six martinis, I'd be on the floor, you know? But for her, you build up this resistance and you have to have more and more and more and more and more to get the same dopamine spike. And it's a false spike. You, you're better off to go to the gym and you get a dopamine spike at the gym, but it's healthy. There's no deleterious effects of that. Um, and you get norepinephrine and and many other things which are proven, Nikki, and you probably know this, to 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 uplift your spirits, to make you more creative, to make you more innovative. You know, I get up at 3 a.m. every morning. And and Damn. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I laugh at the 5 a.m. club. Um, you know, I get up at 3 a.m. <laughs> it's so good. I laugh at the 5 a.m. club. Well, see, I yeah, I, th- I think those guys are lazy. Um, but I get up at 3 a.m. every morning. And the reason I do is because, it, it, you know, part of it is is psychological. Part of it is is philosophical. Part of it is physiological. But I, I have practices. That's my time. My wife gets up at 5. And, and so I have two hours in the morning to to study, to do a mindfulness practice, which is really healthy. It's proven at Harvard and elsewhere to calm the mind and and up your mood and all of those kind of things. Um, And then I do yoga every single morning because that's physiological, because here's, here's what I know. An inflexible body is a reflection of an inflexible mind. I mean, the mind and the body are so interconnected. There's a whole field of, of, of medicine called psychoneuroimmunology. You maybe heard of this. I mean, psychoneuroimmunology or PNI for short. Now they're finding that most diseases are psychosomatic, not all of them, but, 
but you can't treat the body without treating the mind. You can't treat the mind without treating the body. They're so interconnected. Um, your diet, you know, there's, I, I don't know if you've read, talk about physiological, the sperm count in men it's is in the tanking. tank. Oh yeah. There's been so, uh, there's been a couple articles uh, that I read about it this week. It's tanking. Yeah. And a lot of that is dietary. I, I yep. suggest it's dietary. It's it's MSG that's put in, you know, into my wife, God bless her. She went through and did research on MSG. And there's there's I I'm gonna I'm gonna ballpark here, but there's some there's some 30 to 50 ways they hide MSG in products and they call it something else. But um that's that's horrible for your brain. And and all these things, you know, that are that are creating estrogens. I, I deal with a guy who who works with hormones and he's talking about how the, the estrogen levels of men are off the off the chart. And Nikki, you and I talked in your other podcast about what's it mean to be a man. And and yeah. and God knows it's getting to be questionable. So I know that's a whole nother podcast and another topic, but this is all physiological. And let me promise you as an entrepreneur, if you're going to get through this storm and let me be perfectly straight up, I hope I'm wrong. It's going to go on for at least another couple of years. It, it, we have not seen the worst of it yet. Oh, I easily, hope to God easily that, correct. Easily correct. I hope and hope and pray to God that I'm wrong. Um, and it's it's gonna get worse before it gets better. It will get better. Keep the faith. Because here's a, a fundamental principle in the universe. Every significant breakthrough is always preceded by a breakdown. And we're going through the breakdown right now. The old system is 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 dying. And you mentioned inflation. Well, you know, I'm sure you know, Nikki, what inflation is. It's not really inflation. It's deflation of the dollar. It's yeah. it's the central bank system and their promissory notes and the, the Federal Reserve that is deflating the value of the dollar, which is making things look like inflation is occurring. And, and so... The old system is is breaking down, and it has to. It has to. There has to be a breakdown before there's a breakthrough. And that's what I learned when I went to prison and when I lost everything tangible in my life is that my breakthrough, if I if that had not happened, my wife has told me more more times than I can count. She said, if I'd have met you back then, we wouldn't be married because, she wasn't real attracted to who I was back then. And and I'm not attracted to who I was back then either. It wasn't that I was a horrible person, but I'm I'm so much more compassionate and awake and, and loving and kind now. And and I wouldn't trade that for anything. But there had to be a breakdown before before that breakthrough would occur. And that's that's what we're going through. And from a physiological standpoint, if you're tight and you've got horrible nutrition and you're drinking or you're, you're smoking pot. I get it. I'm not being judgmental because sometimes you feel like you just got to 
escape because the pressure seems too great. And to the degree you can find other ways to escape, go to the gym, go on a long walk, you know, um, meditate, do some yoga, um, whatever it takes to offset the pressure, then you're much better off. And, and there's no deleterious effects on the body of, with those things. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I'm loving this. So community, talk about community. Yeah. Um, community are the people you surround yourself with. And, and Ken Sawyer, I believe from Stanford did a lot of research on, on community. Also Christakis and Fowler from Harvard. And they all came up with the same conclusion that you never rise above your core community and your community has has an influence on your income your influence and your impact in the world period and you're not going to rise above your core community so in a business when we go in when Bishop and I go in and and deal with a business that's called culture that's the collective community of a business as an individual, that's our, our core community. And it has to include your family too. I mean, the fact is, you know, some people realized during lockdown that they were married to someone that they couldn't leave now, you know, <laughs> for, for how many years they got up and both went their separate ways to work. And now we're stuck in this house 24 seven. And I realized I don't even, I don't even like this person, <laughs> you know, it's driving me nuts. And and so that has to include family as well as friends and, and, and business associates and all of those things, but your core community is either going to make you or break you. And, and so that's a really important thing to look at if you're hanging out with people and it affects everything. You know, if you're hanging out with people and you're wanting to eat a nice big green leafy salad because it 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 helps it helps bring energy into your life and it and it's the next best thing um, to to not only bring um, energy into your life but but it's next best thing to sunlight. It, it is to eat this big salad and you're hanging out with a group of people to say, well, let's go out and have a cheeseburger and fries then then it's going to be tough it's not impossible but it's going to be harder and and research proves if your friends are overweight there's a greater chance you're going to be overweight because why we tend to do the same things and hang out in the same places and go the same places and eat the same things and and so that's just a physiological component but psychologically if your core community is constantly bitching and moaning and complaining about how horrible everything is it's very hard to to not get sucked into that yep. just, just the same as if you're watching the toxic media yeah uh, so anyway all of these principles can be fleshed out a lot and 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 I'll I know we're we've got some time constraints but hopefully that helps helps understand and again in a business I'll just say this for the entrepreneur is that there's an underlying culture that drives behavior in the business. And that culture is mostly unspoken. It, it's kind of like 
what I mentioned in prison. There was a culture, but it was never it wasn't written anywhere. Right. It it was something you you typically found out by infraction. And and so so most of the cultures that drive a business are unspoken. And so when when we go into a business and we do a diagnostics, we we spend a lot of time doing focus groups and one-on-ones and asking a lot of questions that are innocuous on the surface, but we're looking for underlying themes and principles that tell us what's driving behavior in the organization. Because if you want to change the results, you have to change behavior. And if you want to change behavior, you have to change the culture. Um, And so hopefully that hits both individual and, and business for the entrepreneur. You know, I, I had um, a fellow I interviewed. He was a, a client of mine. His name's Emil Studham, and he's um, he's one of the principals of a company called Performance by Design, and they really look at driving performance in in and creating winning cultures. And the 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 fellow who created the methodology that it's based on was like um, a superstar in Australian rules football, uh, and he. He went once he retired from playing and he became the the team manager for uh, the Sydney Swans that had not won the equivalent of their Super Bowl for over 70 years, like 75 years. And he brought this methodology in and within three years, the Swans won uh, the equivalent of the Super Bowl and won it again. And then people going, wait, what happened? How, how did he do this? And he started to teach it to other teams. And a bunch of them won, and now they brought it into the corporate world. So this is a, a topic that I've been spending a bit of time learning from top thought leaders on. So I'm 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 excited uh, to hear your thoughts on it. And then, last but not least, let's look at strategy. Yeah, strategies are the things. I mean, that we're most familiar with typically. You know, it's it's our it's our strategic plan. It's our marketing. It's our sales skills. It's it's um, and that's in a business. If you look at a relationship, it's our it's our sexual behavior. And 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 if you think that's not important in a relationship, you need to think again. It is. It's very it's important. <laughs> and 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 it 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 really is. And and because it's it's an intimate kind of thing that is part of of really bonding a couple in a sacred union. And unfortunately it's been bastardized in, in a lot of different ways in our current culture. And it's very misunderstood, uh, but properly understood, you know, it, it's a sacred type of thing and it's very important. Uh, also in a relationship, how, how are you going, what are you going to use the, your money? One of the, you know, money and sex are two of the biggest uh, hiccups in relationships in our experience and in the relationship work that we do and you know how are we going to use the money if i'm an individual how am i going to use my money because i i need to make sure that i have a good relationship with that psychologically and then i also have to use it wisely and i would, <laughs> i use this example and it's such a crazy example but back i don't know if this is popular anymore but 
but years ago, this whole new fad came out about making it rain and, you know, and taking the dollars and flipping them out into the air and, oh and all the, a lot of, a lot of hip hoppers and, and so forth thought that was so cool to me. That's like the most disrespectful approach to money that I can even imagine. Yeah. And, and I saw, you know, a social media star who you would know if I named and I'm not going to name, name him, but you know, he's one of those, look at my plane, look at my watch, look at my, yeah. this and that and take, you know, in front of his Bentley and throw up a whole fistful of money. And, and that, I guess that's supposed to look cool. I, I look at it and go, that's crazy. That's dumbass. It's very disrespectful. That's you like know. telling God you don't want the money, so he'll take it away from you. Yeah, this yeah, Let this is what I think of it. This is how much I respect it, you know. Um, so, so, you know, money is there. Um, communication skills are there in, in strategies and skills. Um, the structure of our relationship, the structure of a business, all of those things are in that are in that final box. And they... And I submit to you that that my experience is that most, if I just look at entrepreneurial businesses, most businesses have maybe one or two of those five, but they're they're sorely missing in in the others. Yeah. James, this has been very enlightening. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share these five dimensions. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your stories. Uh, with me as well and with the audience. Um, so we end off every episode by asking you as the guest expert for three what we call expert action steps. These are like bullet point actions that people can take immediately to make a positive impact in their life or business. So what do you say? Um, this is easy for me. I, I would say... Take a self-inventory on the purpose that you're doing what you're doing. What's your purpose for doing what you're doing? Um, what's your vision? We're going back to philosophy for what you want to accomplish in the world. And then you've got to be able to lock on to that vision and hold on to it like a pit bull irrespective of what's going on in the world. And then the third thing I would say is invest the time in making the unconscious conscious. Find a coach or find find someone who can help you to bring those unresolved emotional issues to the surface that are 95% of why you're doing or not doing and heal those and integrate those so you can literally set yourself free. And you'll be astounded at how quickly your life, your fulfillment, and your results start to turn around. Yeah, these are three excellent expert action steps. It's funny you mentioned the last one. Years ago, I did a, um, God, it was 20 years ago, actually, that I completed it. I did a, a program at Landmark uh, worldwide. It was called Landmark Education then. And a program I did was called the Introduction Leaders Program or the ILP. And um, 
when I did it, I had a a, a course instructor, a classroom leader. Uh, her name's Linda, who was spectacular, like incredible. Um, I had a love-hate relationship with the program, but I had a love relationship with Linda. She was amazing. During there, I met my then wife. We got married. Marriage didn't last, unfortunately, but my friendship with Linda did. And she has been someone who has uh, just loved me like a sister from another mister and also somebody who is a an incredible, very perceptive, thoughtful coach. She actually really listens and goes deep to dig in. And I've had lots of other coaches that I work with currently and have worked with over the years, and they're amazing in their own way. But Linda's really good at making that unconscious conscious, better than anybody I've ever seen. So I just finalized today before getting on this interview with you uh, a time with Linda to come and work with me and with Teresa in the context of our business, but really uncovering what's in the way, because there, there's a few things that I know are in the way. So I'm so glad you said this. There's no accidents, as you said, and I'm going to take some action on this right away. And the first two, I think those are important to reflect upon. So I'm going to do those two. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time to share your wisdom. You've really poured into me and into my audience. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Keep doing great work, Nikki. Yeah, you're a good man. You're a good man, James. And um, so, listener, James Arthur Ray, a legend in this space, uh, the real deal. Um, definitely go to his website. What's the website you want to send people to, James? It's just jamesray.com. Jamesray.com. Yeah. And there's all kinds of resources, courses, programs. That are available. His, his his book is called The Business of Redemption. Go on to Amazon and buy yourself a copy. Read it and and you know buy five or ten copies and give them away as gifts. I really believe that doing that would would be great <laughs> for you. So make sure that you do that, listener. Um, and uh, you know take into account what he said. I mean, I I took twelve and a half pages of notes of this conversation. And I think, you know, listener, you ought to do the same. And uh, that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's amazing guest, the one and only James Arthur Ray, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, what have you. Make sure that you go and you take advantage of getting in touch with James, finding out about his programs doing some of them buying his books and um if you're stuck right now and you're feeling a little uncertain as to how to get to the next level go to my website as well ecircleacademy.com and there's a bunch of resources there for your business and if you want to jump on a call there's a button to book what i call a success call click on that button fill out your information and let's get rocking until next time goodbye this episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.